Coming to you on some serious tape delay via a podcast near you. From that hockey hotbed of San Jose, California, it's Dudes on Hockey. He is now accepting callers. He is calling me Dude. And now your hosts, Mike and Doug. Hey there and welcome to the Dudes on Hockey podcast. I'm Mike, that's Doug. Dude. Dude. Trade deadline day, dude. Pretty crazy active day. It certainly was. San Jose Sharks. Some things happened that uh, um, we might have. Well, dude, I don't even know if you could say that that we expected any of this because there was a lot of up in the air, some surprises um, and some controversy, I would say, uh, just from Sharks fans I've talked to about whether or not they agree that these moves were all good moves, dude. Yeah, it's uh, quite a bit happened to the Sharks. We talked about the Brennan Dillon trade last week. That was already a pretty big move for the Sharks, getting rid of uh, one of their more beloved defensemen, certainly, and Brennan Dillon, and he certainly wasted no time in making an impression in Washington. That's right. I mean, you got to love that he's already jumped right into that heated rivalry and and took on Evgeny Malkin and uh, is now beloved by all Capitals fans um, for uh, going toe-to-toe with uh, the mighty Malkin. And I mean, that's exactly, I don't expect anything less from Brendan Dillon. And, you know, I'm sure he's excited. It's got to be invigorating for him to go from what was, I imagine, a fairly miserable situation in San Jose. I mean, they can try and color it any way that they want. Right. This was a terrible year for everybody involved and for him to get out um, and be able to go to an incredible situation in Washington. You know, if he plays well there and Washington does well, he can add, you know, probably another million dollars to his price tag. That's right. uh, As an unrestricted free agent. So uh, Doug Wilson really did Brennan Dillon a huge favor by moving him to a really great team. That's right, and but he was not the only shark on the move here before the trade deadline. We saw, actually, I thought uh, the reverse was going to happen. There was some late rumors before the trade deadline that Patrick Marlowe and Joe Thornton may or may not stay, and it certainly seemed, at least from, from my perspective, that Joe Thornton would be the more coveted asset for a team looking to make a run, but in fact, it was Patrick Marlowe that got moved to the Pittsburgh Penguins, and apparently, he was not. The Penguins were not the only team interested. Uh, Patrick Marlowe fetched a third-round pick. This is a guy who was basically paid to go away by Toronto last year, playing for essentially the league minimum. And more than one team has said, "I'll take some of Patrick Marlowe. I'd I'd be happy to add him to my roster. He brings speed, penalty killing." You know he's a professional player. He's not going to cause a ruckus anywhere in the locker room. Um, what can you say? I'm I'm a little surprised that he was traded, that teams wanted him. I was a little surprised he fetched as much as he did. And also, I'm surprised that Joe Thorne was not the one to go. Dude, um, I'm not surprised that somebody wanted him. The price tag I found shocking. that, uh, and, and shocking in a good way. Um, good for Doug Wilson for turning Patrick Marlowe, who was basically, um, yeah, you, like you said, paid to go away by Toronto this year. 
sent to Carolina, and allegedly they wanted him to stay and play for them. He didn't want to do that. So then he ends up uh, coming to the Sharks on a very reasonable, you know, free contract, but not even until after the season has started. So they turn a guy who was not even playing in the league when the season started into a conditional pick that could end up being a second rounder if the Penguins win the Stanley Cup. So uh, at the worst, it's the third. At the best, it's the second in 2021. And uh, this is a great deal uh, for a player who, you know, was not going to be uh, doing anything but rotting here in a losing effort. That's right. And Doug, uh, Doug Wilson is not able to move Joe Thornton. Late rumors near the deadline today. I know you and I were both following Twitter quite closely, as I'm sure many of the listeners were. Uh, and Twitter seems to be the best way to follow the trade deadline. But there was there was definitely some some rumors that Thornton was interested in going to Dallas, playing with Joe Pavelski, um, and maybe Dallas was trying to make that happen. It ended up not happening. It fell through. Certainly, there were rumors about the Bruins. Those seemed to tail off before the rumors of Dallas uh, did. But Joe Thornton remains with the San Jose Sharks. Uh, thoughts about that? Well, dude, I told you after the Marla trade went down that uh, we, you know, we discussed what we thought maybe the price tag would be for Joe Thornton, and I said that I just didn't think that Doug Wilson could accept anything less than what he did for Patrick Marla. Like, I think optically that would have been a, a bad situation. Like if, if he then turns around and trades Jumbo to Dallas for a fifth. Yep. Like, I don't know how you, like, I, I don't know. Like that, that's just, that's no good to me. Mm -hmm. um, that, you know, cause I don't know, dude. I mean, I think Marlo um, and Joe have both been moderately productive for this team, but I still think Joe is the better player right now. And um, he's essentially been our first line center for the last two weeks. Yep. And um, to to sell him on the cheap, just to you know, I mean, we're not in the business of like handing the Dallas Stars a Stanley Cup. You know, f that. Right. You know, like I think there's got to be something in it for the Sharks. And I think in the end, if a team wasn't willing to step up and meet the asking price. And it wasn't a place that Joe Thornton was willing to go to. And we can assume that Dallas must have been on the list and they definitely had interest. But if they weren't going to pay the price, a fair price based on what Pittsburgh's market that they set, well, then sorry, there's no deal. And Joe Thornton is staying in San Jose to be a veteran presence on this team this year. And from what's implied, dude, it sure seems like Joe Thornton and Patrick Marlowe are going to be back next season i mean that's everything that i gather from this don't yeah you it seems to be the situation and and jumbo talked about not being done and how he still wants to play and all this and i i guess I, you know those are those are more topics maybe to discuss after the season is over uh the last or the maybe the most surprise certainly for me the most surprising deal of the day was barkley goodrow on the move traded to the tampa bay lightning who at this point you have to consider as the Stanley Cup favorite. I mean, there's a lot of good teams in the league, and certainly the Washington Capitals are among the top. But right now, Tampa Bay is uh, sort of becoming what everybody expected them. They're, they're still five points behind the Boston Bruins, but between the Bruins, the Lightning, and the Capitals, 
You have to think of those are the class of the league right now. And Barkley Goodrow, along with the third round pick, fetched a first round pick from the Tampa Bay Lightning. And that that uh, certainly yielded a lot of snarky comments on Twitter. Barkley freaking Goodrow, you know, <laughs> in all caps with lots of question marks for a first round pick. Um did did Doug Wilson just fleece the Tampa Bay Lightning here, dude, or is there something else afoot? Um, dude, I mean, I, I I think that there's two schools of thought on this, right? Barkley Goudreau in a third for a first round pick, and some dude named Anthony Greco, who Tampa Bay loved so much they acquired him four days earlier, and then they turned around and got rid of him. Yeah, I know this is an AHL player, an undrafted player. Um, you know, apparently is, um, you know, I don't know. It's interesting that the Tampa Bay acquired him only a few days ago. And then now he was sent to San Jose in this deal. He might've just strictly been a contract that had to be moved in order to take on Goudreau's contract. Or Doug Wilson may have said that he wanted this player and you know, I mean, I mean, who knows? You would think it wouldn't have been hard for him to trade for Anthony Greco. Anyways, I've talked myself out of that theory. This is just a contract, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just, they're be, trying to get under the 50 contract sure, cap and, and, and that's and that, what that is. And that's what happened here. But, um, you know, dude, that on the surface, you, this is a, a, a great deal for the sharks. They got a first round pick, which they didn't have. The sharks now have, you know, three picks in in the first two rounds um, should be noted. They have no picks in the third and fourth round, but they do have three picks in the first two rounds, which you can do a lot with that. Now, yeah, is Tampa Bay's pick going to be very high? No, it's going to be like in the high 20s, right? It might, in fact, be right next to the Sharks' second round pick. <laughs> sure, absolutely. But you could take both those picks and package them together and move up in the first round. You could take both those picks and trade them for an established veteran player. Um, you know, this certainly gives Doug Wilson more ammo than selling Barkley Goudreau at his career peak, which must be what they thought they were doing. Right? Yeah, you that's know? true. I mean, we've been talking all along whether Barkley Goudreau listens to this podcast or not. We know he did. He, he Facebook messaged us last week, dude. He did. Well, he Facebook messaged us again today saying goodbye. He got traded to Tampa. That's right. That I mean, it's, as far as I'm concerned, that's case closed. That was Barkley yeah. Goudreau. Um, that, you know, I thought Goudreau was having a good year on paper for him. He was He was playing well, but he's not a top nine forward. You know, he's a... A fourth line player. He's good at what he does. Um, and I think Kevin Kurz's point is well made for a team that really struggled to find good production all year from bottom six forwards. They now traded their best one. That's what happened. Yeah. And they you traded know? Patrick Marlowe another depth forward. So, you know, here they are again in the same spot that they were at the beginning of the year. Now, maybe it doesn't matter now because the team is bad and they clearly Doug Wilson Jr. doesn't care if they give Ottawa the fifth pick or the first pick. You know, it, it's going to be whatever it is, right? Yep. So now we're in a situation where we're going to see more Alex True, who's been playing well. We're going to see more Joel Shellman, who's also been been playing well. Are these guys great players right now? No. You know, 
No. You know, do we want to see more? Yes. I'm hoping that they do see more of them, but, you know, trade essentially a fourth line player for a first round pick. It's kind of a no brainer, dude. It's kind of a no brainer. I, I, I am somewhat sympathetic to the point that this just makes the Sharks forward core thinner, which of course it does. Of course it does. But the fact is, is that this is not a team that's going to go very far with the forward core it had. And you might as well try and stockpile the best possible assets you can while you can. And there's there's no way that Barkley Goodrow would ever fetch more than what he got today oh, at the trade deadline. No. And no so way. from a, purely from a, a, a GM gamesmanship perspective, Doug Wilson wins again. And uh, some of those calls maybe for his head, I think may have gotten a little bit quieter after today because he pulled some magic out of the hat, I'd say, in both the Marlowe and the Goodrow deals. So where the pressure is on him now is to turn these new assets into something that's valuable, right? To turn it into um, a new influx of veteran players, to use these picks effectively, to draft new young talent, which they've really, really struggled to do, you know, to draft effectively and develop effectively. And I don't think that part of it can be, you know, under, you know, stated, right? Like the Sharks have given up a lot of picks, but they also haven't had, you know, real great impact players coming through on a steady basis, like most other successful franchises. So, um, you know, how he'll use this new arsenal of weapons, I don't know. But he did acquire weapons that he will use. You know he will use them somehow. You know, because the way he's talking, he thinks this team's going to be back in it again next year. I wish I felt as confident as Doug Wilson seems to about that. I think he's got a lot more work to do. Um, and, and needs to really take a hard look at the overall team chemistry and makeup of this group before he just goes and spends all these picks on some other veteran high-priced player that's signed to a long-term deal and then, then we're in the same spot that we're in, hoping he can use it to address the depth issue on this team that just got worse. Oh, yeah. It got worse. I mean, this team on paper right now is as bad as any team in the NHL, honestly, especially given Hurdle is out, will not be coming back. Eric Carlson is out, will not be coming back. I mean, this is a this is a really bad team now. This is I mean, this is honestly as bad as a team as there is in the league. And if and if Red, the Red Wings didn't make that trade, I might argue the trade they made today to the Oilers, I might argue that the Sharks have the least talent of any team in the NHL, but the Red Wings Ooh. have to win again. They always have no, to win being the worst. I, I think that you're going too far here. The Sharks still have, you know, uh, multiple all-stars on their team right now. I mean, they got Brent Burns. They've got, you know, uh, maybe not all-stars this year, but they've got, all-star level talent still up and down this lineup. I think they are not deep, but they still do have higher talented players than Ottawa, than Detroit. Um, certainly those two, I can't really list many more than maybe, yeah. you know, but I can't Anaheim, the Kings. I think the Sharks are still better than, 
those four teams. And, um, you know, they've proven over the weekend that they can still be competitive. You know I mean? I thought they played hard in both the games in New York. Um, they were in both the games um, playing with, you know, a significant talent deficit. And, you know, I, I applauded their effort in both games. Um, but, you know, you're not going to beat two teams like that. They're in a playoff push, you know, yeah, and I'm, now the Sharks have lost four in a row. It's hard to see how they're going to do. I mean, you look what they got coming up. Philadelphia is on the bubble. New Jersey's bad, so that might be winnable. Pittsburgh, not even close. Toronto is definitely trying to push for position. Minnesota appears out of it. Ottawa appears out of it. And then Colorado. You know, this this team, I mean, if they go anywhere close to 500 the rest of the way, it'll be shocking, honestly. They're they're going to get crushed on a regular basis here for the next month. Yeah, I agree, dude. I agree. And uh, I, as, as far as Doug Wilson doing well this trade deadline day, and I'm happy he was able to pull off the moves he did, in terms of the overall picture of this team, dude, I cannot say I am bullish. <laughs> This is, uh, while you may be right that they have some more talent on paper than some of these other teams, you know, Detroit obviously is the worst team by a significant margin this year. (laughs) They've already lost 45 games. I don't know if I wouldn't trade places with the Detroit Red Wings because the Sharks are in in a bad cap situation with several bad contracts they're not in a good position to make a move the way that maybe Detroit is. And Detroit has more holes than the Sharks, but it feels like they have some more flexibility to deal with them than the Sharks do. Um, yeah, dude. Um, <laughs> I'd still rather be, I'd still rather be the Sharks. I think that the Sharks at least have winning pieces. It's just finding the right combination and, you know, it goes back to it goes back to team chemistry, which I think there was some sort of major issue with this. And I I I can't help but but look at some of the players who've come in in the last three years and some of the players who've gone out in the last three years and wonder if they really misjudged that part of it. And um you know, you've essentially brought in two significantly high-profile, highly-paid players, and you've subtracted some team guys who've been around this franchise for several years and your captain and swapped them in and out, and it's not working. Now, you know, is that the main reason? I don't know, you know, but uh, and it's hard to maybe be able to – provide analysis on that after one bad year, but this has been a bad year, a miserable year for the sharks. And, you know, I mean, while Doug Wilson had a good day today, he's still got a long way to go to try and step back and do some diagnostic checks on this team and see where are the problems, you know, um, don't just fall in love with the talent on paper. You know, the, We've seen this happen on, on other teams where, you know, Toronto's experiencing it right now. Mm-hmm. You know, they are so 
um, stubborn about this mix of players that they have that they can't, you know, they're headed for Edmonton 2.0 there. They've got all these great young, talented players, but a really bad overall roster mix. It's not working. Yeah, it's it's not working. It's not working. It's uh, although they resigned Jake Muzzin, so I, th- I guess they're all set now. So there's that. Yeah, they just gave him like a long term deal for five and a half million dollars. Like you, you look at that and you go, wow. Like you know, and the Sharks have done similar things. You know, um, and uh, you know when it's all working, it it doesn't fall under a lot of scrutiny. But this year, when it's not working it's hard not to step back and go, Hmm, you know, some of these deals maybe weren't the best. And, you know, dude, we've, we've got a whole off season to rip it apart. But uh, what I'm excited about from these moves is I hope that we're going to see more Jake Middleton, that we're going to see more true, that we're going to see more of these uh, Barracuda players come up and play and find out, who might be able to make an impact next year. Right. See if we can find some diamonds in the rough because it's not like the the Barracuda are doing any good because they're not very no. good either. So no, yeah, not. it's it's looking a little bleak here, but um but dude, actually I do have one quick question I got from uh, a friend of mine, Scott. His question for the dudes is if Patty wins a cup with the Penguins, is he a Hall of Famer now? He already was. Uh, yeah, I think you can make the case that he already was. I, I was a little late to that party, but uh, I think it's a pretty much a slam dunk that he's in the Hall of Fame if he wins the Stanley Cup. He's got the longevity. He's got the production. You know, that's always the knock on players. Um, you got to have that cup ring. And if he has it, I, I don't think there there'll be too many arguments against him making it to the Hall yeah. of Fame. When, when you're as dominant as a guy like Joe Thornton and you don't win a cup, well, you can still pretty easily elect him to the hall. You don't have to worry about it too much because, you know, he won an MVP and all this other stuff. One of, one of the most productive assists producers in the league in the last 20 years. Patrick Marlowe, a little bit tougher, but certainly with the, with the cup ring, I think it's uh, it's a no-brainer at that point. Um, dude, we should probably talk about some of these other moves, right? There's so many other moves that happened. Um, a lot of stuff happened in the Pacific Division. We can see uh, how people made out and, and definitely some some trades that I didn't expect to see, some some players on the move that I didn't expect to see. I mean, this is not a, a real sexy name, a, a name that maybe uh, close league watchers would know, but this guy, Andre Kasha, who is maybe one of the better young players on the Anaheim Ducks, and he got traded uh, to the Boston Bruins. The Boston Bruins unloaded the David Backus contract, got rid of a guy named Axel Anderson and a first-round pick for Andre Kasha. And then it was one of those weird situations that you also heard about, frankly, the Red Wings trade and that we'll talk about in a second. And there was some sort of not really complimentary compliment, uh, uh, comments about Andre Kasha after he was traded. They said, you know, not really sure if this guy's going to be great. It certainly looked like he was going to be one of those top line guys and a really good producer. And it seems like Anaheim kind of pulled the ripcord on this guy and got what they could get. And they got a first round pick for him. So that's not bad. Yeah, well, I mean, they'd seen him up close for a few years now and must have decided that he wasn't going to be worth uh, keeping around. You know, they're certainly building for the future, so they 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 
they had seen enough, I suppose, you know, and, and that's quite a commitment taking on the Bacchus contract. Uh, but yet they, they got a first round pick and you end up looking at, uh, you know, the Sharks getting a first round pick for uh, Barkley Goudreau. Like that's not really a, a, a equal talent exchange, dude. <laughs> no, not at all. But of course, you know, the Ducks got a player as well and they didn't have to give up a pick going the other way as the Sharks did. So it's not quite apples to apples here. Dude, elsewhere in the Pacific Division, uh, we saw a few days ago Cody Eakin was traded to the Winnipeg Jets. Cody Eakin was one of the members of that annoying fourth line of the Vegas Golden Knights that we uh, so despised. Um, he's And the Golden Knights got only a fourth-round pick for this guy. I mean, if you asked me a few days ago who would I rather have, Cody Eakin or Barkley Goodrow, I'd probably say Goodrow, but I wouldn't say it's by a huge margin. And he only got... Uh, a conditional fourth round. It becomes a third round if uh, the Jets make the playoffs or resign him. But still, that's that's a pretty significant difference in value, perceived value between the between those two players that I thought were you know pretty close in terms of uh, comparables. Yeah, I think Cody Eakin makes a ton more money than Barkley Goudreau, which might have been part of the problem. And then also, Goudreau is signed for another year, and I think Eakin is unrestricted okay dude Ilya Kovalchuk the name came back again he got a third round pick from the Washington Capitals um the Canadians offloaded him to the Capitals the Capitals maybe hoping for some chemistry with Ovechkin who knows but uh Kovalchuk not out of the league just yet I hadn't heard his name in quite a while I was a little surprised that he was all of a sudden in the news making comments about stuff oh I had a great time in Montreal I'm like what when when were you there (laughs) They seem to really like him in Montreal, and there's talk of him going back there in the offseason. So, um, yeah, this could be the perfect situation for him in Washington. Yep. And the Oilers made a ton of deals. They made a lot. They got Mike Green from the Red Wings. They got uh, – who else did they get? Um, I'm, oh, yeah, and they – Andreas Athanasiu from, from the Red Wings, one of the Red Wings' best players, was traded to the Oilers for – Sam Gagne and two second round picks. The Red Wings also send a, a sort of a, a not really an NHL player along with him. And that was one of the bigger deals of the day. The Red Wings get worse. Um, and the Oilers have a really speedy forward now. A lot of people are drooling at the idea of him playing at this top end pace with Connor McDavid. And then afterwards, some people are like, yeah, this guy's not he doesn't play the system and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> like, wow, there's, he doesn't have some friends around the league, man. You usually don't hear that kind of stuff after players get traded. All of a sudden, people coming out kind of bashing his play. But that's really what happened with this guy. I don't know what to make of it. Yeah, it, I've, I've heard more people say they think this is going to be a bad fit than a good one. That this guy wants the puck on his stick. That he's not going to be willing to just ride shotgun to Connor McDavid and finish like he fancies himself to be you know, an, an all-around player. So um, we'll see. I mean, you got to give the guy a chance. It's not like he's been playing in Detroit, which has been pretty terrible. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he, now he's in a completely different situation. So I, time will tell. I mean, Pittsburgh made so many ads, dude. Pittsburgh ads Connor Sheary, yep. uh, Evan Rodriguez, Patrick Marlowe, um, and they oh, they added somebody else, dude. Who, who am I forgetting? They added... Um, but they added a fourth player too. Uh, I can't. Re- I can't remember. Um, 
you know, they're loading up. They're serious about making a run here. So um, the, the East is going to be bloody. Yeah. It's going to be bloody. It's going to be pretty brutal over there. That's not the metro. Some of those, the is it the metropolitan division? That's going to be just. It's just going to be a bloodbath where the Bruins and the Lightning are. Dude, we we didn't mention that the Sharks got Brandon Davison for future considerations. Dude, what do you make of the new Brandon Davidson era? Well, I mean, he's a player with a lot of NHL experience that um, cannot play in the minors again this year. You know, the Sharks are going to have to play him, and they need people to play so um i guess it works whatever i mean i mean he brings a little bit of grit from what i know about him and they lost that with brendan Dillon, so maybe he can kind of fill that role at least dude i mean i think carolina had by far the best trade deadline i mean they brought in sammy vatnin they brought in brady cara uh brady shea sorry um, and then they trade for um, Trochek from Florida, dude. I mean, this team is loaded up. Yeah, they got they got considerably better, but they they had to trade quite a bit to get all those guys. They traded a first round pick for Brady Shea, and they traded three, two players and a pick for Vatnin. And then who? What did they give up for Trochek? They gave up three players, or a first, a second, and a third, or something. No, that was Pajot. That was the Pajot deal. We'll talk about that in a second, but uh, yeah, they got they traded a lot of stuff for Trochek too. So they're clearly going in a win now mode. They like where they like their division. Certainly, it seems like uh, maybe maybe um, they have the Penguins to deal with and the Flyers. Or sorry, I'm in the wrong division here. I, they have uh, you know they have they have a not exactly a really great. Uh, bracket to look at here i mean they're still sixth in their division that's they're two points behind the blue jackets and the islanders um they have three games in hand on the blue jackets but i mean they don't look like they're in a wonderful position for the playoffs but maybe they're just they just like all these players and they want to hang on to them who knows it's with with the penguins and the capitals and the islanders all looking pretty decent I don't know. Who knows? I have him in the Vegas bet, so I'm rooting for him. Yeah, I think that I'm not sure what um, Vatanen's contract status is, but I'm pretty sure Trochik and Brady Shea are are long-term assets for them that will be around for a while. So a long-term investment for for that team. Dude, the Vegas Golden Knights got another goalie. They traded for Robin Leonard, and the Vegas Golden Knights are now at the top of the Pacific Division. They're three points ahead of the Edmonton Oilers, who are only one point up on Vancouver. So Vegas back at the top of the division. They're looking at a first-round matchup, let's see, with the Flames. Is that right? And that that would be a pretty good matchup. The Flames don't even have a positive goal differential, and they're they're just not looking very good, the Flames. Uh, they're still they're still sort of floundering in, in sort of 500 in their last 10 again, and they don't really seem to have a real good direction here. There was some rumors earlier this morning about Sean Monahan or somebody maybe on the move, but that that didn't pan out. And so yeah, Vegas seems to be they seem to have found their stride now. They're they're looking pretty good. They've won six in a row. I, I love this Leonard pickup for them, 
and um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he overtakes Fleury as the number one goaltender there. Fleury is not having a great year. Dude, what what other what other deals caught your eye here today? I mean, we talked about Derek um, Forbort, oh. but you know, the Kings only got a fourth round pick. He's not a super impact player, but an NHL player for sure. The the Pajot trade from Ottawa to the Islanders, and then plus Pajot signing the extension. You know, Ottawa now with another first round pick, a first, a second, a third for Pajot. Um, you know that that's quite a quite a haul for a player who was going to walk away probably as an unrestricted free agent um, who I don't, you know, I think he's a good player, but he's not an elite player. Um, pretty great deal there. And clearly the Islanders wanted him to be part of their future because they locked him up to a long-term deal. So um, yeah, that, that, that was probably the other biggest trade of the day. Yeah, for sure. And there, there were definitely a lot of talks about, Zach Parise going to the island, which didn't work out. Heard some stuff most of the morning about how the Islanders wanted to get rid of Andrew Ladd's contract and, and Minnesota was going to have to take that on. I read a story about how the previous GM in, in Minnesota, Paul Fenton, who was only there a year, I guess he made some some bad mistakes. He got knocked out pretty quick, but uh, he did not want Andrew Ladd's trade, which is why that deal never happened when he was there. But it seemed like they were pretty close. Seems like Bill Guerin was pretty close to pulling the uh, pulling the trigger on that one. It just didn't happen for whatever reason. That was the one team that Parise was interested in going to. I think his dad uh, played a lot of his career on the island. So that, that was one that uh, did not happen along with the uh, Joe Thornton trade, who we might have seen move. But uh, a lot of activity here. Certainly, it became a much more whirlwind of a trade deadline than I think either of us expected. And do you think really, uh, what was the biggest like? What uh, do you think there will be a significant impact on the standings here, dude, because of some of these moves, or were teams just sort of shoring up where their positions where they already were, like the Penguins, for instance? Well, I, I think the Leonard trade could be the the big one here. You know, I mean, this is you know. Uh, the goaltending for the Golden Knights, Subin, Fleury, it's not been great this year. Um, and, you know, bringing in Leonard, who uh, had a great year last year on the island, uh, that could be, that could be it. If, if you know, he ends up overtaking uh, Fleury as the number one, you know, dude, I'm trying to pull up Fleury's stats here as we're talking, but... Um, you know, com- see what his stats are compared to uh, the last couple years, dude. You know, uh, there Vegas is in in a great spot here to to do well. If you look at the yeah, Flurry stats: two seven nine goals allowed, nine oh six save percentage. You know, compared to the year that they went on the Cup run, he had a two point two four and a nine two seven. I mean, his his numbers are way off from from where they were the, the year that they had the most success. So, you know, turning to Leonard, who's younger, who's bigger, um, who, who is a, an NHL veteran, you know, um, that could end up being, you know, the big move, dude. I mean, he doesn't have great stats in terms of goals allowed, but he was playing for Chicago and they're terrible. Um, but he had a nine has a nine eighteen save percentage, which I think is the thing you really got to look at here. 
And last year, remember, he had a 2-1-3 and a 9-30 save percentage. So yeah, I think Vegas is the big winner here, dude. Big winner. Great. In our division. Fantastic. Well, the Sharks aren't going to be anywhere close to the playoffs, dude. They're, uh, <laughs> they're many, many points out. And uh, I guess the question for this, is the, the big question here for the next maybe five or six months is, what can Doug Wilson do with the spoils of war here? And this certainly doesn't look like any kind of NHL team right now that is going to be you know, anywhere close to a playoff position as currently constituted. And the question is, how can Doug Wilson leverage what he's got into supposedly making the team into a contender next year? That's something we'll be talking about in the coming weeks. We don't need to go into it deeply today, dude. But uh, yeah, it, it was a it was a pretty good ripper on day. Interesting. Yeah. Um, you're right, dude. Those are the big questions and we've certainly got a lot of time to mull it over, but the Sharks are better positioned with more ammunition today than they were yesterday. And it's up to Doug Wilson to pull the right strings because, you know, this year he pulled all the wrong ones. That's right. That's right. All right, dude. Thanks uh, to everybody for listening and we'll be back again next week. Go Sharks. Show? Want to get your questions on the air? Email questions at dudesonhockey.com. Dudes on Hockey is not affiliated with the San Jose Sharks organization or the National Hockey League.